0: hey everyone just want to let you know we had a little technical difficulty on audio for the first about 20 minutes so you're going to be hearing the audio from the camera and not the good stuff but if you stick around for 20 minutes about the second two-thirds are going to be great so thank you bye
1: The big silence empowering personal experiences inspiring compassion and healing lives We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to The Big Silence podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, And yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go! Mental health is my wealth, the stress up on the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seeking ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out, everybody in the house know what I'm talking about The Big Silence, The Big Silence Welcome to The Big Silence Podcast This is not your host, Karina Dawn So, today's episode is going to be really fun Your actual host today, who has been missing in the intros for the past five plus episodes Decided he wanted to
0: host today and do an
1: AMA Hmm?
0: Well, that's not exactly how it went down. I've been on a sabbatical from intros, for sure. But I was uh, last minute, called in off the bench. Feel a little (laughs) cold, but you know what? I'm going to try to stretch, not pull a muscle, and see what happens.
1: All right, y'all. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: this is your host. Bobby Goldstein, are you nervous? Because literally, he kept delaying today because he was working. Whoa, Tiki! Oh, Tiki, my questions, Tiki! Oh my God! I the palm is on the table because Bob, Bobby, for oh. comfort. Oh my God! And she just went on his computer, and deleted all his questions. He this is out, gonna obviously.
0: be a cute close-up though.
1: <laughs> you have to go to YouTube because you can see what's happening right now. <laughs> tiki just sat in front of my main camera. I tiki. love it. <laughs> Love. Tiki, that's my camera. Yeah, show the heine. Okay.
0: I <laughs> so, believe you were asking me a question.
1: Oh, yeah. I was saying you were so nervous that you kept delaying recording the podcast because you were so focused on what to ask me. We also asked the community. No armpits sweat yet. Yeah, not yet.
0: Let's see at the end. And this is a fake suede. Okay.
1: Well, I brought you a gift.
0: Really? All oh, CBD. Wow.
1: Might want to take Shoot. a little
0: swig it. Take
1: <laughs> like the <a> whole tincture. <laughs> oh, oh boy! it right. Helps me with my my anxiety, my nerves. All right. Well, I'm going to end my non-hosting duties here and enjoy the episode, which I have no clue what he's asking me. That's nope. right. Is that my main camera? No, that's where is this that? Is your camera? Camera. Okay, yeah, the one Tiki's hiding was in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Enjoy.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Karina Dawn, look at you here. Look at you, just look at you. Looking good, might I add. Thank you, because yeah. I was just sick for three days. I know, I hear it. And uh then I was catching a little of your bug. The old family Thanksgiving bug, isn't it great? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to introduce you first to my co-host. Tiki Miss Goldstein. Tiki Goldstein. <laughs> I hate when they put Tiki Dawn at the bet. Ugh. <laughs> She's such a little cutie. Well, miss, we are just saying, episode 39. Hmm. A lot can happen in a year. Are you or 39? No, no, I'm not. Oh. How many years have we been married? Yeah. There we go. Let's get into the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, my guest today is Miss Karina Dawn. She is a New York Times bestselling author, co-founder of the lead women's health and wellness company, tone it up, mom <laughs> to five Pomeranians, mom to one cat, Kiko, poor mm, Kiko. Yeah, I,
1: mean, I always forget him. I mean, I don't. I love him. But I always forget i was like, mom of five poms. Yeah. I'm also a cat mom.
0: I know. Well, let's get right into it. So.
1: Awkward pause for your first podcast.
0: Well we can edit these things out. You're not supposed to.
1: No, I'm gonna put the pressure on you.
0: No, I know. I was I was I was thinking of something. I was gonna say something genuine and then you call me out.
1: Oh um, go back to genuine.
0: Okay. I was just thinking as well that everybody knows you. Everybody knows your story at this point. And if they haven't, they should definitely read The Big Silence. What a year ago over a year ago now. Your mom did pass away, Mm -hmm. and why don't you first just kind of let us know where you're at today and what the process has felt like over the last year.
1: Well, let's start off light.
0: Yeah, let's go right into it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so the process of grief is, I believe, what the question is, and The process of grief and then.
0: Emily, I'm gonna need a napkin.
1: I'm gonna try not to cry through this, but the process of grief and the process of trauma. One plus years later, and her photo and her setup in my office in the house is still there, and I walk by it every day. And my mom wanted her ashes here on our property. Mm-hmm. And I go by it. Where am I today? I'm not healed yet. Mm-hmm. I still don't know who I am after her. Mm-hmm. Even loving. this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> but that's the, the beauty of grief and working through trauma is that there is no Timeline. And I don't talk about it a lot anymore. I just, I hold it inside.
0: Is that the best thing to do? No. So but let's it's talk. Like,
1: no, but it's not that I hold it all inside. I, I think about it often. But I don't talk about it all the time anymore, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Because it's like, people are like, okay, it happened over a year ago. But I have friends and colleagues and people I know that or, like, my parent passed away six years ago and I still grieve. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a natural course mm-hmm. and it has to be accepted. And I was actually randomly just thinking, like, an hour ago, uh, I was thinking about my mom and staring out the window, went to the bathroom and there, you know, I always pass her photo. Mm-hmm. And I paused and I was just thinking of her. I was thinking, do I miss her? And then I was like, no. I don't miss the, I miss her as the soul that she was, but I don't miss what we, and me as a child, and what we were going through and the stress on our life and our marriage and my mental health having her here so there's like you know this whole big mom's gone what's something is released the trauma then has to get out of the cells of your body but I will say I thought it would be like give yourself three months Mm -hmm. here I am but it's not that easy I feel a lot of guilt
0: Guilt. How so? I
1: thought I didn't do enough. And then I'm like, Karina, you
0: you did so much. Mm -hmm.
1: So why am I holding guilt?
0: And interestingly enough, your mom had a lot of regret for holding guilt at the end of her life. Yeah. Well, it's a process. And I think if I've heard anything from the Big Silence podcast, everything's a work in progress. Yeah.
1: Where I am a year later I'm so proud of where the big silence has gone and it was in memory and dedication to her in the life that she suffered but I know after 30 years of trauma it's it was healing but also the big silence and writing the book and everything was part of that process for me mm-hmm. and then for others to know that they're not alone and so I'm actually you know, really
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe it's a nice takeaway for, you know, no matter how much time passes to, to check in with people. To yeah. When you're checking in. Yeah. And uh, you never know how they're feeling. But what made me think about uh, your mom as well is obviously there's been a lot of kind of death lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a neighbor who had a strikingly similar story to your mom and was, was recluse and... A hoarder and disconnected from society uh, since the early 90s uh, from a traumatic event and openly talked with us about his mental health and his struggles. And, uh, you know, he recently passed away and can't help but kind of think about your mom more. Yeah. So I'm going to
1: say his name, Sandy, hmm. because he We befriended him as a neighbor. He lived up the hill, and um, it was this serendipitous meeting Mm -hmm. of Sandy at the exact time he needed someone. And we were able to become his friends when he was alone for so long. And I understand that because my mom lived a solo life and alone. And we had plans with Sandy, hanging out hearing stories of the neighborhood since the 70s, and then Sandy ended up in hospice. And, yeah, that's kind of one of those trigger things, too. And But I'm so grateful, because I was with my mom in hospice the last three days, and we were with Sandy. Yeah. And it, able to make sure that he wasn't alone. That was his only one. She's like, I don't want to do this alone. And... Um, He also did want to
0: share his story. Yeah, I think that would be great for a future episode. I know there's a lot to talk about there. But I do feel like he felt seen at the end, and he felt comforted just with being there. So that kind of brings me back to something of a theme that I was thinking for this podcast. And when people are struggling and going through things of really, like, how do we show up for them? And I'll tell you where I was starting to think about this. I'm thinking about you as a kid and skipping school, doing drugs, partying, uh, failing your classes. Kind of from the outside, someone would say, well, this person's fucking up. They're acting out. But there's never really a question of why. Why? continuing the question of why are they acting that way? Now let's continue that. How do we help that person? So instead of just identifying it, this is the big silence. Let's figure out ways of like, if I'm looking at Karina as a kid, how would you talk to a young Karina and help them in that case?
1: I think young Karina, what she needed was to not be ridiculed, judged, told she was doing everything wrong and she needed to be a certain way through friends, superiors, and instead say, how are you? How are you doing? Instead
0: of, "Eh." Can you give examples of how people would tell you you're doing wrong or tell you how to do things?
1: I had a lot of people run away from me, a lot of friends. I lost a lot of friends because I was spiraling and they saw things happening in my house. But none of, and also none of their parents came to check on what was happening. What do you mean by spiraling? What you just said, like the drugs, the parties, the skipping school, the escapism. And... You know, I think if I saw my child or my friend's friend as a young kid and hearing little things that were going on or what was happening at home or your mom's hospitalized, your mom's missing, maybe stepping in to check in a little bit more.
0: So how would you check in on a young girl who... Is clearly acting out and you don't know the story.
1: And that's the thing like acting out always comes from something so remember if your child is acting out there is a reason.
0: Mm-hmm. In my notes I had maybe it's not acting out maybe it's reacting out Ooh, you know there's always I'm something sure. there. Ooh, yeah. Well I like to just put that on. I
1: was definitely reacting out. I would say so. <laughs> uh, checking in with the family Checking in with the kid, checking in with, so say you see something in your kid's friend, checking in with the kid who hangs out with the friend, like, hey, how is how is Susie? Is anything different about her? Oh, I don't know. You know, and then maybe talking to Susie's parents.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just opening up conversation, and that's where, because you don't want Susie to feel alone and then
0: isolated. I get it. But if I'm knowing you now. Uh-huh. I didn't know you when you were a kid, but I can only imagine how stubborn you were.
1: I was defiant. I was a little biatch.
0: So if I went to... Because <laughs> I to be a little... Yeah, teenage Karina, <laughs> and I say hey just checking in how are you doing i'm pretty certain i'm not gonna get it.
1: i'd be like fuck you leave me alone yeah
0: probably something along those lines
1: yeah i actually so. did go to therapy my dad he's a therapist so he made me go to a therapist who was his friend okay. dad i know you're gonna listen to this but i remember that time when i sat on this therapist couch he's like karina you have a dark cloud over your head i'm like fuck you <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. I think that's an appropriate <laughs> response. <to> that <laughs> I know, but this is again back then when we're not talking really about mental health. There's therapists and there's that work being done, but you're not, you're still tiptoeing over in the '90s of what actual mental health is and why you're going to therapy. And my dad was having me sit with this guy telling me I have a dark cloud, and I'm like, okay, fix it.
0: Mm-hmm. So I kind of and wanna... so I
1: sat there silent.
0: I want to stick to this, though. Okay. So, knowing your personality at that time, knowing what you know today, do you think there is anything that anyone could have said to you? Did you meet anyone that started to, like, maybe flash a light that showed a glimmer of hope? Someone could have given me a hug. They could have
1: told me that I was loved. And not just my dad going through his own chaos. Someone could have told me that I mattered. That I'm worthy to be here. Like a mentor or something. Mm -hmm.
0: Was there anyone that, even for a brief moment in time, had that position that you looked up to? That you kind of kept in the back of your head as you were on your journey.
1: First of all, I'm just glad that he's blocking my main camera right now because I have the ugly cry face.
0: <laughs> as she goes in and in, in in focus and out of focus, you blur in, blur out. Give me that blur. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get. I'll mess it up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I had a teacher, Miss Terry, at school 70. And I would just go sit. I'd skip class even in, like, elementary school. Mm-hmm. She would let me just, like, sit and talk to her. And an art teacher at Rockerville High School. I don't remember his name right now. Mm-hmm. But he would let me. He knew what was going on at home. And I just wanted to paint. And mm-hmm. painting was, like, my therapy. So I'd get letters from him to, like, skip my science class or my math class because I had to finish a painting. And he would let me go in the front of my high school, sit by a tree, and just paint. Mm-hmm. Those two people stand out um, as teachers in my my school. My school had me go to the high school social worker. And I was like, not talking to you. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like that, a connection there. It was very like by the books, but no, I felt like there was no empathy. Mm-hmm. So those two teachers stand
0: out to me. That's it. Okay. They
1: couldn't hook me. <laughs> Not in the nineties. Even
0: today. So you still continued on the path. You had two somewhat examples that stand out to you that, at the time, it made you feel seen. It made you feel good. But now with the big silence and a goal of really helping these young Karinas that are out there, boys or girls. And how can you talk to them to know that it's not only those two teachers, that there's a bigger resource out there, that there's more people out there? So how can the big silence help the young Karinas out there?
1: Well, that's our mission. Our mission is to, and my why of what I, I wanted to start the Big Silence Foundation was to reach the little Karinas, to make sure that our youth do not have to suffer in silence anymore like mm-hmm. I did. And I am a suicide survivor, and I am so proud to be here today and be able to share this mission of mental health and have the big silence here and to speak to you and to our children and to our future generation and let you know that you're not alone and you can speak up. You can come to us at The Big Silence, our crisis text line. You can go to your teachers. You can go to your Parents Mm -hmm. or peers, anybody that you trust and say, I need help. Like Mrs. Terry, I would have gone to her if I had known that that I could speak about what was going on at my home.
0: Right. But most likely that 10, 13, 14, 15-year-old Karina is not listening to this podcast right now.
1: No, but her parents are. Okay.
0: So how can? I'm, I'm like exploring. I'm not asking for an answer. I'm not driving for a, an answer that you already know. I'm like, how does it get there to go from just your powerful story, which is amazing. It's incredible. There was like a, a Joe Rogan quote that popped up online that I saw the other day where it was like, like that he loves a success story, but like more so than loving a success story, he likes someone who fucked up their entire life and then turned it into a success story that's me yeah yeah, it is but that's not enough yeah like it's the continuation of like well no one just goes and says life's great let me fuck it up there's that reaction we were talking about earlier and then it's like how do you get through to that and so that young Karina who's not listening like how can the big silence show up whether it's at the schools or show up for those parents to figure out how they can be a Miss Terry versus a therapist saying a dark cloud over their head.
1: We raise our voices. We speak more. We make more noise. We have our parents and everyone listening here checking in with their kids. Even if they're smiling, truly check in and teach them, educate them on mental health so that they know the signs they know the signs of, oh, maybe I'm suffering from depression. Maybe I'm having anxiety. Like we need to actually educate our kids more in the schools of mental health because in bullying and what bullying causes in the mental health. And it's truly educating. I think there should be a program in every school that we talk to our kids about it and normalize it because there's no reason That any child should be taking their life. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. But Mm -hmm. they feel alone. We need to open up that conversation more and more. And there's a lot of foundations that do that. And we're another one that's doing it and focusing on the youth. Because it's on a rise. Suicide rates with kids Mm -hmm. and adults. But anxiety, depression. But the more we talk about it. And even I you know, it took me many years because I was ashamed to talk about my past. I was ashamed to talk about my mother. I was ashamed to say I tried to take my own life. But now I'm like, it's been such a healing process to just talk about it. And it's healed me. And I know that it can heal millions more. And I'm not ashamed of it anymore. So if anyone's listening, if you're a parent and you're ashamed of your kid because they've been diagnosed with some sort of personality disorder or mental illness, and you want to hide it, don't be ashamed because you're going to find another parent that's going through the same thing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you're going to come together and you're going to take care of your kids and be each other's support system and then your kids are going
0: to be okay. So now going back to you, you're talking about shame when you're young. So you have... Two scenarios. You have yourself dealing with a problem of your mom is schizophrenic. So essentially, you're losing your mom at a very young age, disappearing. And that's one thing. But then you feel shame to talk about it with anybody else. Your mom's mental illness is one thing. Mm-hmm. But it's the way you feel that directed your life. You understand? like, So if if you didn't have an outlet to talk about it. Well, like, that's what's causing your life to go in a certain direction. That's what's causing you to feel alone. That's what's causing you to do drugs. That's what ca- causing you to do. Now, there's something guess, at home that you're reacting to.
1: So, a so, situational I always call it like situational depression
0: or situational reaction.
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, my mom's mental illness was her illness and I was not, able at such a young age, as my brain is developing and still is, to understand her perspective. I didn't understand it. And I was incapable at that time to understand it. And I will still never know exactly what her thoughts were, how her brain was working. I have um, all of her journals and everything and that she left me, and I understand a bit more but yeah, so she had her struggles going on. And then she was completely, and she told me in the last few years of her life that she thought we were all sitting at home having dinner every night. And she didn't understand that I went through anything or that my father or that Rachel, because she was so lost in mm-hmm. over there in her mind that she literally thought we were having a little Brady Bunch family at home every night. And so what happened with her and her abandonment, her illness, then made me fall off the deep end. It's a domino effect when it comes to mental illness. It affects everyone around you. It's not just the person in it. It's the family members and then the friends, the spouses, that it, it affects everyone. So I bet If one in five people have a mental illness, are affected by it, then everyone you know, knows someone and is somehow affected by mental illness. So the more we talk about it, the more we come together, the more we can heal together. So thinking of it as going back to little Karina, mom's at home or not at home, sick. And I go to school and I have all these other friends. Think about the friends that were escaping with me they were probably also escaping from something else. But we didn't talk about it because it didn't have a name. It Mm -hmm. wasn't talked about. But I, now I always think back, like, what about her at the rave? She was as fucked up as me. Mm -hmm. Like, what was she going through?
0: Yeah. I think TV shows in general. I think conversations are deeper. So I think people writing shows are having deeper conversations. Like, what was the show we watched? Euphoria. Euphoria. Right? Yeah. I mean, but that... explores a darker area of children's lives and what people are going through. I mean, look at even older films. Look at like The Breakfast Club, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that explores, hey, okay, you think one thing, you're a certain character according to everybody else's play in their head. But like when it comes down to it, let's explore what's beyond that. So I do think there's like a general shift. But I also think...
1: And then euphoria got so much shit for being euphoria exposing and saying it was like
0: glorifying yeah. something I mean who's to be the judge I yeah. mean look, look at the conversation around it I don't know the outcome I'm just saying there's more of a conversation around it
1: can I say something I've never said before no, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was just thinking, and and I'm like, no judgment. I'm I love Euphoria. I don't think it's glorifying. I think it's important to get the message out there. But I remember growing up, and my parents were watching a TV show about a girl who was bulimic, and I didn't know what bulimia was. But guess what I did after I watched that show? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But it's, and, and again, this is not meant to be like anything's good or bad. But I think, again, it goes back to educating our youth. Because that, I was educated by that TV show versus, oh, yeah, this is what happens. This is our body image. You know, I didn't know what bulimia was or anorexia or this is, nobody was teaching you about body image, no one, uh, mental health, anything. So that's why I think it's so important. Euphoria is great. But let's talk about it to the youth before they watch the show. So they're like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on here. I understand it. I can process it. It's not, I'm going to go take some acid or
0: meth or anything like that. Yeah. If I did have a question, I would probably go to you about <laughs> that stuff, though. <laughs>
1: oh, uh. I'm gonna- Get cut off of oh, the podcast world after this convo.
0: Cancel Karina. Cancel. <laughs> Can we say that? Is that bad? What? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get canceled on my first podcast yeah. here.
1: Cancel Bobby.
0: Uh, bye. <laughs> That's kidding. good. I'll go back to my palm dungeon. I think
1: they're going to want Bobby to host more.
0: I still think there's something that like really who Karina was. Like, how could you really get through? You could say, oh, I want to I talk to people. I mean, you have programs at school. Oh, dare, don't do drugs back in the day. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> they weren't intending it to be a joke. I was like, okay. well,
1: what? Oh, okay.
0: That was just my opinion. <laughs> but how, how could you really talk to kids today if you don't talk how a kid is talking? Like, if a kid is playing Roblox, you got to talk that conversation to get their attention. If they're a little older and they're doing drugs, maybe you do have to talk about drugs. Maybe you do have to connect over drugs in a way, not to glorify it, but to be able to relate because at a different age, you're, you're, you're living a different life.
1: Well, I think, first of all, if you're, you're speaking in schools, you have to look at your broad audience not just speaking to the kids that are going through it. You have to also make that everyone's going to be uncomfortable in a classroom. And you have to speak to the kids that are like, I have a great life because like, there is a lot of that too. And then you have to speak to the kids who are struggling and make everyone feel like they're one, they're a union. We're human race. We're all in it together. And so when you speak to the children, not leaving anyone out, So there's a way to do that, and I can do a separate podcast on that. But you want to make everyone feel seen Mm -hmm. from someone who's going through something and someone who's not, but then making sure that the someone who's going through something doesn't feel intimidated and that someone who's not going through something is like, I have empathy. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that's important to teach because a lot of kids, when I was growing up, if I was to explain what was going on at home they'd run the other way but instead we need to educate empathy as well hmm processing Mm -hmm.
0: processing i think if anything i'm learning like well no one's figured it out (laughs) because everybody's still going through things kids are still acting reacting whatever it is they're always gonna fuck up everybody's gonna fuck up but i think i think there's something there where like there's a real opportunity for the big silence specifically because you are so authentic in the space where I think even though you are a different generation, you could talk to a 12-year-old who's fucking up, right? Acting out because you did it. Like you really can relate. So personally, this is a nudge nudge, I think you need to be at those schools. You need to talk directly i think it's effective for you to also talk to parents and give your perspective um, especially as coming on the other side of all of it but like you need to talk and maybe it is a little mix of euphoria and maybe you're gonna have to go on roblox i have no idea
1: oh gosh i'm gonna jeremy if you're listening can you can say over (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) No, but it's true. And that's why in 2023 with the Big Silence Foundation, we are going to the schools. We're going to reach out and help those in the deserts, the mental deserts that don't have resources. And that's where the, when we go back to the why the Big Silence was started was because of me growing up and I don't want any teenager to suffer again. And there's several foundations that we partner with, like Inspiring Children with Jewel, that are helping, helping the children, our next generation. So we're doing the work and more people need to be out there doing the work because mm-hmm. it's not easy. I mean, with us, this small little team and our resources to be able to do the work is not enough, but we're doing it and I'm proud of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm proud of little Karina. Me too. Thanks. Mm. Okay. What about some community
0: questions? Oh, shoot.
1: Lighten this shit up a little.
0: Mm. Well, you know, actually, this got a little sidetracked because my questions were like specifically in one area and then it just went all over the place.
1: It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. We'll I'm let just you gonna... be a guest
0: host again.
1: Uh... Save those questions. Your armpits are not sweaty. You're doing good. Okay.
0: All right. All right. Well, let me just hit it. I was delivered these questions over here from Emily. Apparently, people wrote in. Uh, let's start with this one. I haven't really heard this term before, but why not? So I guess it's from my perspective, since I'm hosting. Okay. What are my icks that bug you? Well, actually,
1: I did the AMA on my Instagram account to
0: ask me. But weren't you asking, saying so, Bobby me, is hosting, ask What do you want to know about me? Like, ask the okay. questions that I would ask.
1: So my icks about Bobby are he leaves his dirty laundry scattered throughout the house.
0: Really? We, okay, because like, there's, there's another question Especially on here. his
1: dirty panties, and then Tiki takes them and chews on them and then attacks me when I try to pick them up.
0: Okay, maybe he's reacting to something. I don't know But also this was actually There's another question on here That this could link up with Another question said What if you have a boyfriend That's messy and doesn't listen?
1: Boyfriend? How long have you been dating?
0: Mm, I don't know Let's just Let's just say uh, Three years
1: A boyfriend? You're not married yet? Just kidding (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) The judgment.
0: The judgment.
1: Uh, Okay, let's say a boyfriend, and it's like a weekend, and he doesn't listen to you, and he's messy. Bah. No. Wait, what? If you're a week in dating someone, and he doesn't listen to you, and he's messy.
0: Okay. Next question here. Not a relationship expert. Uh, Well, let's get into another relationship question, why don't we? Let's see. Talking about compromise in relationships.
1: Can I go back to the panty thing?
0: It said messy. It didn't say panties.
1: (laughs) Dirty laundry on the floor. I will say, as a married woman now, I have practiced acceptance. Mm. And I pick up Bobby's dirty clothes piles from around the house.
0: Hmm. or in the driveway. (laughs) Thanks, Emily. I don't know how those undies got there. But thank you. Hopefully they were some of my nicer undies. (laughs) My party panties. Oh, they were Kirkland? Nice. Very nice. I
1: just, Uh, I just deal with it. All right. So back to this new new question.
0: Oh, shoot. Oh, wow. This one comes in hot from Katrina Scott. Oh. Uh, This one says uh, short or long hair Barbie.
1: Long hair Barbie. Remember when you first, you were, because when we first started dating, you had really long hair and then you just out of nowhere one day, like buzz cut it. And I came home and I was like, you look like a teenager. And
0: it's creeping me
1: out. Okay. So long-haired Barbie.
0: Okay. I was actually thinking about cutting my hair off again. All right. Well, I might be with that messy boyfriend out on the streets. (laughs) Another one from Katrina Scott. Each of y'all's... She's feeling that Texas vibe there. Each of (laughs) y'all's celebrity hall passes. Lewis Hamilton. Wow. We already knew that. Yeah. You go, girl. I know yours. Lewis Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) Rihanna. No, I know. I'm kidding. I think he dated Rihanna at some point. So maybe there's a way we can have a foursome. But there would only be... Oh, you mean with Rihanna too? Yeah. Oh. Sure. Sorry, Dad. We're we're just kidding here. But, I mean... Next question. (laughs) Canceled again. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Give me your favorite memory with that old chap, Bobby.
1: You? <laughs> <laughs> well, the first time I fell in love with you
0: was... No, it was a favorite memory. It doesn't have to be the first time you fell in love with me.
1: It's my favorite memory.
0: Oh, okay. So I'm just saying, say, oh, that was a favorite memory.
1: Okay. Prom night.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: We were just dating. Mm-hmm. And I lived upstairs in an apartment. Bobby lived downstairs. And it was Valentine's Day. Ten years ago. I had told him that I never went to prom because my mom grounded me the day of prom and I had this beautiful purple dress and I was so excited, but I had t- apparently talked back. So I wasn't allowed to go to prom. And so anyways, then Bobby was like, okay, go get dressed up and we're going to go out to dinner. And I, he came and picked me up at my door upstairs and went down to his apartment and it was a full prom scene. Can you explain all the decor and everything that you did to prep for that night?
0: Well, we had all those like metallic letters like welcome to prom. We took our prom photos. I think I put up a a disco ball. Yes. Yeah. It was popping. You like moved
1: yeah. furniture so we had a dance floor. Yeah,
0: yeah, of course. You had I got your a corsage. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of prom doesn't have a Christmas? You
1: even like, got a white tablecloth to put over your dining table, mm-hmm. so it looked like a high yeah. school table.
0: Thanks, Costco.
1: <laughs> and you made lamb chops? Did I? I forget.
0: I think you made I mean, lamb chops. Now we're really stretching my memory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that was the first time, and somewhere in the interweb, you can find photos on that. Yeah, it was fun. That was the first time that I literally, and this is so cliche, but I got weak at the knees.
0: <gasps> wow. wow! Maybe you even got lucky that night. <laughs> My memory, I told you. <laughs> 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 well, here we are again. Let's just stick with that. I think that's nice. All right, podcast host. We're going to go set up another prom here. How do you end your
1: podcast?
0: What? How do you end your podcast? Oh, I almost forgot we were still on a podcast here. <laughs> Great. Well, Tiki, uh, my co-host, you have any additional questions? Sorry. <laughs> you just scared Sorry. her. I love you, Tiki. I love you, too. Tiki would be a good, uh, you know, cover. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all for today. Uh have a lot more questions. Got totally sidetracked many times. Uh, definitely my ADD kicked in a little bit, but... I'm going to come back next time and uh, we're just going to keep getting better like a fine wine. That's right. And if you
1: love this podcast and found it insightful, oh and boy. <laughs> then share it with your friends. Uh, <laughs> like it, comment, and uh, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, Bobby. You've been a wonderful host on The Big Silence.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Till next
0: time. Till next time. Bobby out.
1: Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the dot.com. here's to radical self-love the type of love that will defeat
0: anxiety the type of love that defeats depression this is the one life this is the moment this is the time to dig in to be who you already are the big silence